I ask myself, who is counting on me? Like, who are the people in my life that need me to be my best self? Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show, I'm joined by Chris Norton. He is the co-author of The Seven Longest Yards, our love story of pushing the limits while leaning on each other. And uh, it really is the miraculous true story of defying the impossible. Now, Chris is a speaker, author, adoptive, and foster parent. He suffered a severe spinal cord injury playing college football. Yet seven years later, he joyfully conquered the challenge of walking his wife, Emily, down the aisle of their wedding. And they've recently adopted five girls as of, as of the recording of this, this conversation. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's such an inspiring story. I heard him on Jonathan Fields' podcast, which I'll link to in the show notes. I talk about that during this episode. We talk about football. I'm a football fan. We talk about parenting. We talk about overcoming huge challenges and obstacles. So much more in this episode. It's 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 a compelling conversation. I'm so happy to bring it to you. So here's my conversation with Chris Norton here on the Productivity is Podcast. I'd like to welcome Chris Norton to the Productivity is Podcast. Chris, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Mike. It's good to be here. So whenever I hop on a call with somebody who I've not talked to before but see that we have some common interests, I have to be cognizant of the fact that the record button eventually does have to be pressed because there's some stuff that we're getting into right out of the gate that I'm like, Oh, let's talk football because I'm a huge football fan. Um, but you used to play football and, and I want to get in. There's a story. I mean, the seven longest yards, we're going to talk about the book, um, that you've, you've co-wrote with your, with your wife, Emily. Um, and so when, when I, when I heard from my friends, Mark and angel, who've been on the show before, uh, that, you, you know, you got to talk to Chris, he's got a great story. And, I was like, okay, this is a productivity podcast, so let me take a look and see where we can where 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 the where we can kind of hook this up. And when I listened to uh, read, I read the book, and then when I listened to you and Jonathan talk, uh, Jonathan Fields, I'll link to that podcast in the show notes as well. There was a lot of things that came to form. I'm like, yeah, this this can work for for this show. Um, but for those who don't know who you are out of the gate that are listening right now, can you share a little bit about who you are, and and you know that you used to play football. Um, why, I mean, I'm going to be right up front, why you don't play football anymore, but you still follow it, but why don't you play it anymore? Yeah. So, uh, you know, Chris Norton grew up in a small town in Iowa. Uh, went to play college football at Luther College back in 2010. And as a freshman, 18-year-old kid, you know, everything's going according to plan, uh, working out perfectly, and then uh, running down to cover the kick on the sixth game of the season. I hit the ball carrier at full force, full speed, but I mistimed my jump just by a split second. And instead of getting my head in front of the ball carrier and colliding with my shoulder, my head and the side of my neck hit his knees. In an instant, I lose all feeling and movement from my neck down. I'm face down. Uh, the pile clears. I'm trying to push off the ground. Nothing is working. And I'm telling myself, okay, Chris, you, you stand up. Like what's, what's going on? And I, I just, nothing was working. I was just so confused. 
But I'm telling myself, you know, bad things happen to other people. And little did I know, I just suffered a severe spinal cord injury. And I was given a 3% chance to ever regain any feeling or movement back below my neck by the surgeons. And uh, that would literally change the course of my life, um, trying to fight for every bit of movement and feeling from my neck down. In the back of the book, one of the things you read right out is the miraculous true story of defying the impossible. And, you know, reading your story, one of the things, and I actually talked to Neil Pasricha about this not too long ago. He's the guy who wrote the book of awesome and his, you know, how to be awesome. And you are awesome. And frankly, I mean, you hit all those notes, but one of his new book is about resilience. And when I asked him about resilience, he said, you know, the difference between grit and perseverance and resilience is the ability to get back up to, to go through this. And then, you know, knowing, I mean, cause that's, I mean, you were, you were, you, that's what you did. You were a competitor. You were, you know, you were, uh, you were looking to move up, you know, from special teams to, you know, who knows, but, you know, the, the sky in your mind was the limit. You're a young guy. What, what did it take for you to get, you know, to get past that and know, like, cause that was what you, your identity was kind of, I wouldn't say wrapped in that, but that was part of your identity to, to say, okay, you know what, I, I need to get back up, you know, both, you know, li- you know, kind of figuratively, cause you know, you go about the, you know, the idea of, of, of the progression, but also, you know, at, at one point, you know, and right on the cover of the book, you're walking down the aisle, uh, at, you know, with, with your wife. So what, what, what was it that, what did it take for you to be resilient in the face of, Hey, things, things won't ever be the same again. I would say it was the discomfort. It was this sense of like urgency and this pain that I didn't want to live in. Like, I don't like this. I don't want to be in this. I want to change this. And if you don't like where you're at then do something about it, that's what my dad told me as a young kid. And it just clicked. Like why complain and feel sorry for yourself? Like why spend so much energy being like a, a victim or feeling sorry when you could be putting that into action, into movement, into doing something about it. And so that's exactly what I did. Although, you know, I was upset, I was frustrated, I was mad, I had all those emotions, but I then try to use that towards figuring out, okay, what can I do today? Like what's one little thing I can do to better myself? And then I had this um, stubbornness that yeah, I'm going to beat it. Like, I'm not going to be part of that 97%. I'm going to be that 3%. Uh, just growing up as a kid, playing sports and going through school, I, I failed a lot. Like, I've been knocked down a lot. And I, I've learned over the years that, you, like you said, you have to pick yourself up. It's not about the fall, but it's about standing back up. And I knew, um, you know, I've been resilient before and it just gave me the confidence that I'm going to get back up from this. And it just is a matter of time. And I'm just going to do whatever it takes to get through it. And so just taking it one day at a time. Uh, when I thought too much about the future, I would just, that would paralyze me even more. Uh, thinking about, you know, what could be. Um, you know, I thought about uh, how things could be different if I wouldn't have made that tackle. That Again, that just paralyzed me um, more so than being physically paralyzed. So uh, I just had to really focus in on what's one small task, one action I can do right now in this moment to move forward in the right direction. Staying positive in the face of adversity is, is challenging for most people. And I mean, again, having this life changing, you know, occurrence happen to you again, 
you know, at such a, you know, at a young age where you, you know, you're looking ahead going, this is not what I envision my life to be. How, I mean, you talked about your dad just now saying, you know, hey, look, look for the positive. It's how, how do you keep that, that steadfast? Like, how do you stay positive? Because there's got to be days where you say, especially maybe even when you revisit the story, because I mean, this is not the first time you've told this story, you know, on a, on a podcast. And I mean, you the, there's the book, there's the documentary. I mean, this story is, is being retold. Uh, and you know, there, there, there has to be some moments where you're like, man, how do you, how do you, you know, what do you do to say, okay, to cast that aside? Cause you're human, right? Those emotions will show up. How do you, yeah. how do you keep that from, you know, kind of, uh, you dwelling on it, or overtaking you? Um, because I mean, it's gotta be uh, something that you've, you've got to work on. Yeah. I mean, at its core and you've heard it before, but gratitude, I mean, if, if you can just place yourself in a state of gratitude and focusing on what you can do, what you do have and focus on the progress that you've made up to this point. It just like changes your outlook on everything. It turns like uh, this fear into hope. And that's exactly what I was doing. Just uh, understanding uh, that, you know, I have my family, I have my faith, you know, even the slightest bit of progress. Like I went from, almost um passing out from the lack of breathing to being able to regulate my breathing like that was a victory like i was proud of that progress and i focused in on that the air that i was getting versus the air i was losing uh, shrugging my shoulder was the first movement i got back after my spinal cord injury but that shoulder shrug was a sign of progress and those little things is where i kept most of my energy on versus what I've lost. And I think it's so easy in life to compare yourself, to see what others have or what you don't have. And you just got to ground yourself with where you're at, what you do have and how far you've come. Now, when you, you know, again, looking at the cover of the book, you're walking down that aisle, but that wasn't the first time you did that, right? You, there was another instance and you talk about this in the book, but I want you to share that story of, of, you know, that that wasn't the first time that you, you, you attempted to get up and, and take steps after you were told that literally there was a 3% chance you'd be able to do that. Yeah. So uh, I just kept fighting again, like day by day, just trying to get a little bit more movement back. Um, but then again, you know, at night I would cry myself to sleep wondering, you know, what my life would look like. Would I ever meet a girl that would want to be with me? Will I ever be happy in a wheelchair? Um, all these questions swirling my mind and, you know, I'll never forget, it was about the fifth weekend, and uh, I've been making some progress, moving my arms, but nothing in my legs, but I could feel this new sensation in my left big toe. And I was excited about it, okay? So it means progress, something is awakening in this left big toe. I tell my neurologist all about it, and he tells me, you know, Chris, uh, I'm sorry, but you're experiencing a phantom feeling that you want to believe that you can feel something differently in your left big toe but you tricked yourself into thinking it's real. You made it up. And I knew what I was feeling was real and it wasn't this phantom feeling, but he could care less. And I was destroyed. And my dad who was with me was destroyed. And I consider him to be the strongest person I know. And he has tears coming down his eyes and just says, you know, Chris, do not let anyone tell you what you can or cannot do. And I look back at him, tears in my eyes and said, never will. And I responded with just more hope and determination that you know, I'm going to prove this doctor wrong. And then a week later, of all days, 
on Thanksgiving Day, I wiggle my left big toe. He said I would never move again. And I was so pumped. I was so fired up. I was telling every nurse and therapist, you go find that doctor, who I like to call Dr. Phantom, and you <laughs> bring him in here and phantom this as I wiggle my toe in his face. And uh, fortunately, you know, for him, he was gone that day, but it probably worked out for the best because uh, I might have been a little too fired up. <laughs> but that toe wiggle, though, grew to just give me even more confidence and belief. And I uh, eventually um, slowly progressed to the point where I could support myself standing. And I set the goal that, you know what, I'm going to walk across the stage of my college graduation. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but that's just going to be the goal. I'm just going to work as hard as I can each and every day. And so spending, you know, sometimes, sometimes four to six hours a day, a uh, full school load. I went back to college. Uh, I met this a wonderful woman who you mentioned already, Emily. And uh, three years after my injury, my junior year of college, and she would help me walk across the stage of my college graduation, which was our first big walk. And that went viral. So it's been viewed over 300 million times across the world. And after that, it going viral and it inspiring people. People were writing to us how because of this example and this act of perseverance, they too want to persevere through their own adversities, that they want to get through their challenges. And whether it was a, a disability, a depression, anxiety, losing faith, whatever it may be, they just found this courage and this inspiration in themselves. And so with that in mind, that's what led us to do this wedding walk. Like we have to walk down the aisle of the wedding together, knowing what it can do for others. And so like you mentioned before, it's on the title of the book, but uh, we were able to walk then seven yards uh, down the aisle side by side, the same way we'd be spending the rest of our lives together. And uh, it was a, a wonderful day, wonderful moment. And we get to share all about it with in the book and the documentary and also my motivational speeches. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. So Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. 
Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. All right, we're going to take a break from the conversation with Chris, but when we come back, I'm going to ask him why it was important that Emily wrote the book along with him, what productivity means to him, and what, if anything, would he change? But I'm going to share with you first what I think you should change about your social media approach. And I think the best way you can do that is with Meet Edgar. Meet Edgar is a social media automation tool that was founded in 2014 by Laura Roeder. Who, she was just really tired of doing social the time-wasty, old-fashioned way. Um, Meet Edgar is a tool I've been using for a while. I'm digging into it more and more with uh, my study time that I'm doing on an everyday basis. There's a lot to you, you can do with Meet Edgar, but it's not like it's complicated and you can't get started right out of the gate. I mean, really what Meet Edgar does is it helps you amplify your presence and message across multiple social networks. And you can sync Meet Edgar like I have with Facebook and with LinkedIn and with Twitter and with Instagram. So that way you can connect with your audience where they are and when they're there. Now, one of the things that happened to me this week is I received an email from Meet Edgar because once you're you're in the loop, you're in the loop. And see, once you sign up, you're going to get access to a whole bunch of educational stuff, including an onboarding coach, live social media marketing office hours, and just a lot of educational courses, including this little nugget I got from this week called Operation Sunshine. So this is how this works. And it's going to highlight some of the features that Meet Edgar offers. So first off, what you need to do if you're using Meet Edgar and you're going to be able to just stick around for the rest of this commentary here, but you just look up the top blogs in your industry. All right. Then you find two or three that you know that people who follow you will love. And then just make sure that you choose blogs that, you know, complement uh, with your own content. They don't necessarily need to compete with it, but they complement it. And then add their RSS feeds to Edgar. See, you can do that. You can add your own as well. So you can add your own blog, podcast, or YouTube channel RSS feeds to Meet Edgar so it can pull in your latest content. In this case, it'll pull in their latest content and add it to your social sharing queue. That's what you do. Now, if you want to do a little bit of a bonus with this, what they're calling Operation Sunshine, just generate some suggested variations and then add your own commentary to the mix and customize the message. And you can do that as well. See, they've got the category-based unique scheduler. They've got the unique suggested variations, which turns a single blog post or your podcast show notes into five unique social posts with just a single click. And again, that category-based scheduler is amazing. It saves you a ton of time. It keeps your feeds active. And then you can post the right content to the right network at the optimal time. So how do you take advantage of what Meet Edgar has to offer and do this Operation Sunshine? Well, you just go to meetedgar.com slash timecrafting and use the promo code timecrafting to get an extended 60-day free trial. That's right. All you need to do is go to meetedgar.com slash timecrafting and use this promo code timecrafting and you'll get that 60-day extended free trial. That's a huge amount of time. That's going to take you through all the way until the new year if you're listening to this as this podcast goes live. So once again, go to meetedgar.com slash timecrafting, use the code timecrafting, get an extended 60-day free trial. You're going to love Meet Edgar. Give it a try today. 
Now, if you want to take your education and your knowledge and your skill set to the next level, the UCI Division of Continuing Education can make that happen for you. The UCI Division of Continuing Education was established in 1962 and has served the lifelong learning and career development needs of individuals, organizations, and the community on a local, regional, and global scale. There are courses and certifications taught by industry practitioners in a wide range of categories and over 60 convenient certificates and specialized studies programs on campus and online designed for the working professional like you. The UCI Division of Continuing Education can help you gain an edge in your career as well. It can help you make a career transition or simply help you become more knowledgeable. See, they can provide you with the flexibility you need to stay on top of your game in your current role while preparing you to level up. There's open enrollment too. And what that means is there's no applications to complete. You just log in and sign up and you can pay for a single course or enroll in an entire certificate program. You have full control over your academic plan and you can advance your career in as little as six months. So give yourself the gift of education. Don't overlook the value of investing in yourself. Sure, it's easy to give gifts to your friends and family, but if you have career goals and aspirations for 2020, then now's the time to invest in yourself and your career. So visit ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and hit the promo code TIMECRAFTING for 15% off of one course. That's ce.uci.edu slash productivityist. Enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING and you'll get 15% off of one course. This offer is valid only until December 31st, 2019 at 11.59 p.m. So take advantage of it while you can. Again, that's ce.uci.edu slash productivityist. Enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING and get that 15% off of one course. Don't delay. Check out what the UCI Division of Continuing Education can offer you today. I want to tell you about the calendar app that I've been waiting for. I absolutely love Woven. It's allowed me to streamline my appointment bookings on so many levels and is an absolute pleasure to use. The templates are a huge time saver. The scheduling links are phenomenal and the ability to quickly toggle between what is my time and everything else on my calendar gives me a quick snapshot of my day like no other calendar app does. Now, I don't often tout apps because there are so many out there and, and a lot of it boils down to personal choice over anything else, but I can confidently say that choosing Woven as your calendar app of choice would be a step in the right direction. Ultimately, the reason I use Woven is because Woven Calendar features powerful scheduling tools built into a smart, collaborative calendar. Now, Woven Calendar takes all the hassle out. I've just mentioned that, but really scheduling is, is a huge deal. And they've really combined these powerful scheduling tools like Woven Smart Templates, which I use to book podcast guests and coaching calls and coffee and all that stuff. Scheduling links, which I also can use to book podcast guests and all that stuff. And group polls too. So you can actually have polls where you can say, hey, when's the best time to meet? It's all in one place. It's all in a smart collaborative calendar. With Woven, everything you need to schedule is at your fingertips and it's at your fingertips in a way that will allow you to schedule it fast and furious. Mainly fast though. Listen, I want you to add Woven to your productivity stack and schedule faster than ever before. So sign up today. Just go to woven.com slash timecrafting and make it happen. Again, woven.com slash timecrafting. Sign up today for Woven. It's seriously the best calendar app out there. I absolutely love it and I know you will too. Again, woven.com slash timecrafting. Check it out today. Now let's get back to my conversation with Chris. Before we hopped on the call and started recording it, we actually were on the call, but one of the things that we started talking about was, was football. Because, I mean, that, uh, again, I remember listening to you talking to Jonathan, and you're talking about, like, the story and reading the book. I'm like, this guy loves football. Still, I mean, obviously, you still, and I, and I asked, you know, do you still watch it? You said yes. What, 
what lessons do you take from football today that you can apply to your to 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 your life now? Because I, I whenever just as a sidebar, when I watch the game, because there's a lot of I mean, a lot happens in a short period of time. And then there's that, you know, 30 second break approximately. Um, and I'm, I'm talking pro football here, but I mean, there's lots mm. of variations. And, and I'm talking American pro football, not Canadian football, which, you know, I do watch, but it can be very confusing to anybody who has not seen it before. Um, but the idea of like, you have to make very quick decisions, both during the play and leading into it. And I think life's a lot like that too. So, you know, skipping the brutality element and stuff that I know some people can have issue with, what lessons can, do you still take from football that you apply to your life now? You know, one that jumps out in mind is uh, I can see the parallels too. So uh, in football, there was two days, which now I, they're really going away from two days, um, just a lot of different health and overheating kind of complications. But uh, back in the day when I was doing two days, which isn't that long ago, uh, I'll never forget we're doing these wind sprints across the field and you got your full football gear and pads on. You've already gone through like two practices. And I, I threw up at the end of practice, just completely wiped out, dehydrated. Um, but then you have to jump back in to practice. Like you don't just get practice off. Well, fast forward a year and I'm in the hospital uh, training with this, this leg bike that's stimulating my legs to go around this uh, machine. And I throw up from the exhaustion of this workout. And then my therapists are like, okay, like, we'll just call it a day. Um, you know, great job. I hope you're feeling better. And it's like, no, like, I'm not done. Just because I threw up doesn't mean I'm going to quit. Like, we got to keep going. Uh, but they were just all shocked by, like, me just wanting to keep going. But I think for any, like, athlete or any person that, you know, puts yourself through some pretty strenuous situations, you learn about yourself that you can handle more than what you think you can handle. And it allows you to see your potential. And so it allowed me to know that my limits and that I can push it um, beyond what uh, you would think is possible. Um, so I think just with having football, having that accountability for your teammates, um, having that environment, uh, I elevated my um, level of hard work and perseverance and courage that carried over to my training for my recovery to get my my movement, my arms back and my legs back. I want to continue to have the sidebar a bit because uh, when I chatted with Don Yeager, who's written about plenty of sports, uh, uh, you know, uh, sportsmen, whether, you know, uh, we're talking Walter Payton, we're talking, you know, looking at what John Wooden's done, you know, a variety of sports and, and even to the point where, um, you know, I'm not an athlete, like the, the closest I've come to playing football well is on my Xbox. Uh, and so for me, it, but it's more about, I think that there's a lot of lessons that you can take from sport, um, whether you're an athlete or not. Like, I mean, I wrote a book called the front nine, how to start the year you want anytime you want using golf as a metaphor. I don't play golf, I, but I, but I understood the game and I understood some of the nuances of it just by, by studying it, playing it's different though. And so I think that what I'd love to like, just touch on a bit is, you know, some of the some of the things that that people need to know that maybe don't play sports or haven't or like almost dismiss them out of hand as to what the 
you know, following or keeping up with, there's some story there and there's some, some things there that we could probably use to help us keep more productive and in a, in a world that maybe sometimes wants to drag us down. But like, I'd love to get your thoughts on that a little bit. Yeah. What I love about sports and, you know, so I have, I'm a father now, uh, we've adopted, uh, five girls out of the foster care system. We've fostered 17 children. And one thing that, you know, it's important for Emily and I and the reason why we want to get them in, in sports and I mean, even like, uh, you know, whether it's like a choir or any sort of extracurricular activity, but just give me a situation where they fail. Like mm. we want them to experience failure and how to handle that failure. And I think that's what I really appreciate about sports and what it's taught me is learning to fail and knowing that just because you fail does not mean you're a failure. Like a bad choice does not make you a bad person that what's going wrong isn't going to get worse. It's, it's just not true. And so I think it's just helped me identify that I can work through this. Like I can get better. I can improve that it's not final. But yet you have to learn through failure, I think, sometimes to just keep falling forward. And I think um, sports taught me to fall forward and to learn from my mistakes, but that those mistakes don't make me and myself, my identity, a mistake. And that's what um, I'm trying to teach my kids. Um, Because especially when they first came to us, uh, they got really wrapped up in the idea that they messed up, that they failed, that that's who they are as a person. And it's like, no, 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 like, that's not true. Like, that's going to happen. You just got to keep picking yourself back up and keep trying again and force and sports force you to do that. Let's talk about fatherhood for a moment. I'm a father as well. I've got a father. Uh, I've got a father. I do have a father, but I also <laughs> am the father of two, two kids, one of whom is actually homesick today. Uh, but, uh, You've got, like you said, oh, no. yeah, yeah, well, you know, I mean, you know that that's how it works. Actually, yesterday was supposed to be a day where uh, I film and my daughter was homesick. And I'm like, well, you know what? That throws that plan out the window because, you know, I'm not going to invite anybody in the house while, you know, with the potential of them getting sick. But uh, you've, you've, like you, you fostered 17 children, adopted five girls. What, I mean, most people would struggle, you know, or, or find that challenging without the challenges that you, you faced and, and how, how does that, how have you made being able to not only make that work, but thrive in that environment? Because I mean, it, it, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot. Yeah, it is. Um, thankfully I have a wonderful wife. Um, she is a rock star and just loves children, loves just loving on them and teaching them. And just, it's so full of life that, uh, that definitely helps where you know not the full responsibilities like on my shoulders it's a, it's a shared responsibility and then um it's just having us as a team and then just also learning we're, we're trying to do as much as we can to learn from other parents and learn from books or podcasts you know whatever it may be for us to be the best parents possible and to be the most you know efficient and uh just uh, so the kids know that they're loved that they're special because a lot of times they come in thinking that they're not loved, that they're not special. So how can we communicate that in a really effective way so they understand that? Um, but yeah, I think all those things have really helped us manage the chaos. And then we also know that having five kids, you know, being parents, it, it comes with the territory. There's going to be chaos. 
and just understanding that you got to let go of some of that chaos and just uh, control what you can control and uh, be in the moment and don't get caught up in you know what's going wrong, but focus on what's going right. Let's let's talk talk about Emily for a second here because uh, you you wrote the book together. There's um, you know there's a back and forth that happens in the book. Why was it important that you wrote the book together and the way that you constructed it? Why why was that the like what was the idea behind that and why was it important for you to present it that way? Uh, it was important to me because Emily is a big part of my story, so I feel like I couldn't effectively tell my story without including her in it. And then Emily just brings a whole another set of um, perspective and wisdom and experience that I just don't have. Um, so something really special about Emily and something I'm really proud about her is that she opens up about her struggles with anxiety and depression. Uh, she went through a bout of, uh, you know, pretty a dark depression that um, almost, I mean, it could have cost her her life potentially. Uh, if it wasn't for seeking help and doing the right steps to get out of that, but just sharing that perspective too, when she put on such a front that she was fine, everything was good. And you would assume that she's got it all figured out, uh, but she did it and she was hiding it. And so many people hide, you know, some of the struggles that they're going through. And when you have mental health issues, those are easily, you can hide those easily. Like my challenges, I can't hide my physical challenges. Everybody knows I'm going through something, but most of the painful challenges that we're all going through, you can't see. You can't see a depression. You can't see a divorce. You can't see someone struggling to pay bills. Sometimes you can't even see cancer. So without like the physical signs, um, sometimes people aren't always kind and they're not always thoughtful with how they treat other people. And uh, something that I'm always preaching is like, just considering like what other people are going through, uh, that we all have our struggles, whether you see it or not. As we get close to wrapping up here, I want to ask a couple more questions. And one is definitely related to, to productivity, um, you know, in a very uh, distinct way. So I'm a big believer that productivity isn't about efficiency and effectiveness on its face. It's what's your intention? How are you going to pay attention to it? So this idea of intention plus attention you seem to have been able to do that in many areas of your life. Um, so I posit that it's probably something similar to what you think is the idea of intention plus attention. But when you think about productivity, what does it mean to you? And how do you, how do you try to espouse it? Not just for yourself, but for the people that you're, you're speaking to, because you're, you know, you're a motivational speaker and you help people through your organization, but also with your children. You know, something that's really helped me is just a, a question of, I ask myself, who is counting on me? Like, who are the people in my life that need me to be my best self? And when I think about that, I, I instantly think of my wife. I think about my kids. I think about my parents, siblings, grandparents. Like, the list goes on. But when I can just reflect on who I need to be my best self for, it allows me to, one, I guess, like you were mentioning, like, be intentional. Uh, about just leveling myself to a higher degree and like holding myself to a higher standard that I might not be able to hold for myself. Um, but when I have other people counting on me, it just allows me to uh, work harder, uh, just be a better person in general 
And I think uh, I would ask, challenge, you know, everyone listening to, to ask yourself that and to even make a list of the people who are counting on you, because I think we'll always do more for others when we know someone else is counting on you. And so like the next time you just like catch yourself going through the motions, ask yourself, like, who needs you to keep going so that they can keep going? Like, who needs uh, you to succeed at what you do so that someone else can follow your example and the best leaders, you know, don't inspire by their title. They inspire by their example and understanding that, you know, people need your example. People need um, you to be your best self. We started off talking about resilience uh, with this discussion, and I want to bring another reword into the uh, conversation as we wrap up. The idea of regret. Um, at the end of the book, you the one it's it's the epilogue is wouldn't change a thing, so that flies in the face of regret. And I think a lot of people, when they're looking at their you know whether it's the day, whether it's their to do list, whether it's you know a project that they didn't live up to, whether it's you know on occasion when you're you know you've you've uh, you know you've you've feel like you've let your kids down. Uh, how have you been able to um, kind of fight back against this idea of regret? Because uh, there, I mean, anybody faces adversity is going to have some, some elements of, of regret can kind of creep in there, but it doesn't seem to have crept in there for you or, or Emily. Yeah. In the beginning for me, I just knew I'm like, okay, I can't take this back. I cannot, rewind time i don't have that power capabilities like i have to move forward i have to take complete ownership over my life moving forward like i cannot just dwell in the past so i just i really try to block my mind and distract my mind as well from going there and then as i just continue to work continue to just fight through it and just keep taking action uh, the more like my life started to become more meaningful as things started to come together. Uh, so I started to, I formed a, a nonprofit called the Chris Norton Foundation to help other people with spinal cord injuries. And then with uh, meeting Emily, uh, adopting and fostering a family, uh, my motivational speaking business, uh, and the list goes on. I started to see how all these things came together as a result of that football play. And so how can I now want to change that play when I have all these wonderful things in my life that have been resulted from that day? And so there's just no way I could go back and change that play. And so I don't have any regret over that moment because it's given me a purpose and a life worth living for. And uh, I'm really grateful for where I'm at. And I've also come to the understanding that my physical ability doesn't determine my happiness or my fulfillment or success. I used to think that I have to walk in order to feel successful, but I mean, your happiness and joy doesn't become from like your physical abilities. I mean, there's people who, who walk and who can run and jump really well who are miserable. It all comes from like that state of gratitude and appreciation and focusing on your abilities and what you can do, that's what is most important, no matter what you're going through. If you can keep your state of mind in that place, it's going to keep you motivated, inspired to move forward and, and to take action. Chris, this has been a fantastic conversation. 
Uh, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to share it with me. One more question. Who wins the Super Bowl this year? <laughs> I mean, I, I have to go with my team. It's so early in the season. It, I feel like it's a coin toss. We'll see uh, if everybody can stay healthy, but Minnesota Vikings. I mean, I have to. They got to get one eventually, right? They do. They do. And I mean, the easy thing would be to say Brady's team. I don't like to say the actual name of the team. Um, but yeah. I mean, they, they, it's hard to, it's hard to beat them. And even Kansas city looks really good too with Mahomes. I mean, they look really good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be, I mean, the good news is, I guess, is if you're looking at it from the vantage point of where the Vikings are, they're in the NFC. So they, they, they may get there. They may have the clearest path to the, 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 by the time the AFC Maybe. team gets there, <laughs> he's so beaten up, yeah. that the, the, but the cousins has got to start playing better. That's all I got to say about that. We talked about I that know. before the start of the show. I mean, they'll only go as far as their defense and Dalvin cook will take them. I think at this point, it looks like it, You're right. <laughs> Chris, the book is called the seven longest yards, uh, written by yourself and your wife, Emily, uh, where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? I uh, you can go to Chris norton.org chris norton.org and that's where my foundation my speaking uh the books the documentary my social media all that uh can be found through there my newsletter um the social media i'm pretty active on instagram and facebook and it's at chris a norton 16 chris thanks for joining me today on the productivity podcast thanks for having me mike Big thanks to Chris Norton for joining me today on the show. You can find all of the show notes at productivityist.com slash podcast 271. Or, of course, you can just look down at your device that you're likely listening to this episode on and just choose the show notes from there. If you are not subscribed to the podcast yet, why not? You like this episode, right? Well, there's so many more in the back catalog over five years worth of podcasts with guests such as David Allen, Srinivas Rao, uh, Je- oh, there's so many, Eric Fisher. I, I can't, j- you just got to go look. Okay. So subscribe to the podcast. You'll get all new episodes as they come out and you'll be able to easily find things in the back catalog. And while you're subscribed, uh, you might as well give a rating and review to the podcast as well, whether it's an Apple podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Google podcast, doesn't really matter. Ratings and reviews help people find the show, but they also help me see what I need to improve upon and what you like and what you don't like all that stuff. So again, if you're not subscribed yet, please subscribe to the podcast. And it also helps our sponsors too, who I'd like to thank, you know, select our sponsors, go to find uh, out what they're offering. Um, It's always great to see uh, listeners of the podcast, uh, subscribe to the podcast, but also check out what the sponsors have to offer. And then again, ratings and reviews, always super helpful. Uh, Speaking of reviews, I want to share with you my productivity is podcast pick of the week. And this week it's the read to lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Now, Jeff and I, Jeff, Jeff talked about me on his podcast and I can talk about him on mine. Eventually, Uh, He's going to be on mine. We're working out a schedule on that. But Jeff's been doing this for a long time, and he is a pro's pro. Um, There are a lot of common guests that we've had. Michael Ventura would be one of them about empathy. But episode 277, how to succeed in a project-driven world. I'm a big believer in working by modality. If you've listened to the show for an extended period of time, you know that. So this one intrigued me because we do live in a project-based world, a project-driven world. So that's a great episode to check out. Uh, He's had Brian Dixon on the podcast as well, the daily decision that changes everything, of course. Uh, So many great episodes. He's, he is Basically, at the same, uh, we're at the same cadence at this point in terms of episodes. He's a little bit further up the road than me with this particular podcast, and it's of course because it's got 
lasting power. It's staying power. It's a great podcast. The Read Lead podcast. Check it out. It's my productivity podcast pick of the week. That's it for this week. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivity podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. See you later. <laughs>